Um, I want to give you Mark chapter 14, verse 32 through 42. Stephen, you're like, what did I get myself into? This guy crazy. <laughs> Just kidding. We're so thankful for our visitors today. Mark chapter 14, verse 32 through 42. I'm going to preach my voice out before I start the message. This passage is a powerful passage. It's when Jesus had his last few moments in the Garden of Gethsemane before he was um, captured. But this time I saw something different. I always preach about him taking on the sin of the world and him having to make that decision and what it must have felt like to be right then because when he was pleading with God, this is, this is right before his caption. And before I read it, I'm just giving you a summary here that the typical way you hear this is about Jesus and him taking on the weight of the world and all the sin that no, none of us can fathom. But he, he felt that sin right then when he took it on and said, should I really do this? And if it be your will, God, to take this cup from me, else I'm gonna keep going to the cross. And so that's a powerful message. But I read it again and I saw something different between Jesus and the disciples. He said to go and wait there, keep watch. And I pray this touched you today and is as enlightening to you as it is to me. Verse 32 says, they went to a place called Gethsemane and Jesus said to his disciples, sit right here. He said it like I do my kids. Sit here while I pray. He took Peter, James, and John along with him, his three go-to fellows. James, Peter, James, and John along with him. He began to deeply, be deeply distressed and troubled. My soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death, he said to them. Stay here and keep watch. Going a little farther, he fell to the ground and prayed that if possible, the hour might pass from him. You know, like even Jesus struggled with the calling. If you know Jesus struggled, it's okay if you struggle. Maybe God's doing something through struggle. And Jesus was tempted and tried in every way like us, and if he was not, we could never claim him to identify with our, own, our problems. But because he was, he was fully flesh and God at the same time and flesh just like us, there's nothing that we felt that he hasn't felt right then, especially in the garden when he took the weight of every rapist, every murderer, every, every pedophile, every problem and sin out there, every sickness. He took it right then and he felt it all. And so even Jesus is like, I don't know. That's encouraging. Because even if Jesus had moments of adversity and concern, fear. Trust in the Lord knowing that when you are presented that in your walk, that's totally normal. And God will do something in that moment. He says, my soul is overwhelmed. So you stay here and watch for them. And I'm going to go chill for a minute, get my head together. Remember why I'm doing this. Going a little farther, he fell to the ground. What did he do? He prayed that if it possible, the hour might pass from him. Abba, Father, Lord, he said, everything is possible for you. Take this cup from me, not yet not what I will, but what you will. If it is your will, God, then take this cup from me. He's saying, don't do it for me, do it for you. So God, if it's your will, take this cup from me because my flesh is scared. My flesh is fighting what the devil says can't happen, that this is a mistake, that I shouldn't do this. But if it's your will, God, I will go to the cross and suffer it for your glory, he said. 
That's the flesh crying out to the spirit. And we can't understand that God can be completely flesh and God at the same time. And we can understand that God can touch a man in Africa of sickness and a man in America with sickness at the very same second and they both be healed. But we can't understand how the humanity of Christ was calling out to the spirit that dwelt in him and everywhere around him and everywhere because the spirit has no boundaries. You getting this? Don't confuse the gospel. It wasn't meant to be hard. So his flesh was crying out to the spirit in anguish. The spirit makes intercession for our infirmities, the Bible says, our weakness. The spirit was making intercession right there for his infirmity, his weakness. He's crying out, Abba, Father. So then he returned, verse 37, to his disciples and found them sleeping. Sounds like my kids. Simon, he said to Peter, are you asleep? Simon, he said to Peter, excuse me. His name was Simon or Peter, Simon Peter. Are you asleep? Couldn't you just keep watch for just an an hour? Like, can't you just do it for an hour? Like, this is my life here. I'm going to the cross and you couldn't stay awake for one hour? Like, like he fell asleep. He had a long, had a long week at work that week and you know, he he's tired. You know, he needed a, a Starbucks and Starbucks was closed at that time of hour. God forbid. Watch and pray so that you will not fail, fall into temptation. The spirit is willing, but everybody say, but the flesh is weak. It's weak. We see Jesus having weak moment here. And he's telling them, your flesh will be weak. So pray that the spirit will keep you willing and alert. And once more, he went away and prayed the same thing a second time. When he came back, he again found them, really, Peter, sleeping? Because their eyes were heavy. They did not know what to say to him. This sounds like a bedtime when my daughter wants to tell me all the cool things she's going to invent the next day and my eyes are heavy and I can't even remember what she's saying because I'm old and it's nine o'clock and I'm like, just tell me tomorrow. My eyes are heavy. Does anybody else get that way? Am I the only one who gets sleepy? Okay, we all get tired. (laughs) Great. (laughs) They were heavy again and they just didn't have any words that says they did not know what to say to him. So returning a third time, he said to them, so he, he went and prayed a third time and returned to them. And he says, are you still sleeping and resting? Enough. I bet he did that. Enough. I mean, after three times, wouldn't you be getting a little bit frustrated, Jen? Enough, he says. The hour has come. Look, the son of man is delivered into the hands of sinners. Rise, let us go. Here comes my betrayers. That's when he got captured. The title of my sermon today is The Power in the Pause. The Power in the Pause. And before we get going, you heard of the movie The Hunt for Red October? Did you know our, 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 our alternative color for 1C Church branding is a nice red tone? Has anybody seen the red we use on the air dancer, on the signs? Our main color is hashtag FFFFFF. I'm a total nerd. That's hexadecimal for white people. Not white people, that's hexadecimal for white, comma, people. So what I'm saying to you is our other color, if you look at all our branding, is this nice red tone. And so I want to tell you, like, like, like October is going to be red October, like the hunt for red October, but it's going to be like a one-seat October. So I'm just going to give you that and say you better be around in October because it's going to be a bright red one-seat October. Can I get a praise for that? Come on.
that's all you need to know right now. Because <laughs> that's, that's all I really know what to say. But I can tell you it's good. And God is worthy to his promise. And, and, uh, and uh, he honors his word. The power in the pause. I don't pause very often. Anybody who knows me very well, they know that my, my, my normal pace is mall walk. That my normal, my normal movement is mall walk and micro machine and I've gotten a little slower and it's not like intentional, it's just how I am. When I was a kid, I was, and until, until almost 40, I was, I was always racing in the car in a hurry. If I'm in my house, you can ask my kids that I, I power walk through my house when I'm working, like, like there's a fire. Uh, when I'm at church and we're doing something for church, I'm power walking through the, 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 um, the church. And, and sometimes there's not even really a deadline. It's just, it's just like I'm always rushing, never stopping. And so then, you know, I have my routine. Does anybody else have like a routine at home? You know, they're, we're all professional home workers right now. Like anybody that works, like we work at home now, like Corona sent us all to the telecommute world. I actually been doing that for like a decade, but it was really cool. And everybody else joined me. I'm like, yeah, this is all news to me. But anyway, so, so like we have this routine at home, like the thing of water, you know, you, you put your thing of water on the counter and you get the reminder when you go down to get your coffee that you should actually drink the water and it's pre-measured and you know I drink X amount of those per day and I got my water and maybe a certain time of day, Nicole, you take your vitamins or supplements and you've got this like rhythm. Does anybody else have a rhythm at home? And it's like really the same every day. And if not, it feels kind of weird. Well, my rhythm is... Um, Around 10 o'clock, I like take my shower. Sometimes I exercise. I'm trying to like get better about that. And I, I take my, my powdered grains mixed with my beets because it gets the oxygen in the blood and I have better circulation and my exercise go better. And then, and then I take the, take the muscle milk afterwards, you know, the 40 grams of protein to recover from that thing, from that little sweat I got. I got way too much protein for that workout, but I take it anyway because it's a good meal supplement and I got to have that. And when it gets out of stock and Michelle hasn't gone to Target, I'm a little bit frustrated. I'm always in a hurry. Like, Michelle, where's it at? You know, I'm in a hurry and I got my water and then I got my little tab in the water and it's got like the electrolytes and all the things and it's just it's just the speed of light right have I lost you by now that's the idea I meant to until the last couple days I have this water with this drink and I've been drinking a little bit of the apple cider vinegar you know it's supposed to be good for the gut health and all these things and I've been drinking the apple cider vinegar and we've had this problem with gnats lately Fruit flies, gnats, I don't know if there's a difference, okay? But we've had this problem, and I keep finding those things. Well, I didn't know that they're attracted to apple cider vinegar. And so, so I'm always in a hurry. I'm like, whoop, water's low, Woo, refill it, chug, 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 33 ounces four times a day. And man, I got to go to the bathroom a lot. I hate it, but you got to stay hydrated, you know? So, so finally, I'm taking a drink, and I'm going, and I see these things floating in my drink. I'm like... What is that? Are those dead bugs going up my straw? Yes, they were. They were the gnats or the fruit flies inside my bottle that was actually, uh, you know, almost empty, but I guess the, the remnant of the vinegar had been in there, and they liked that. So for, I, for a moment, I had to pause. No, Lana, I know this would freak you out because I know how you are about, like, germs and stuff. And you saw these gnats floating there. It would freak you out because they were just swimming around going, Help! And, 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 and if I was in a hurry, they would have gone, you know, through the system. But I was not in a hurry in that very moment. I had paused for no reason. It was a godsend that I paused. Otherwise, I mean, I would have been fine, but I, I freaked my kids out. I would have swallowed two 
uh, fruit flies. And so now I'm, I'm being extra careful about it. Every morning I'm drying that thing and not even letting it sit out because it's freaking me out. But the, the revelation happened when I stopped. Does anybody ever get in a hurry like me and you just don't stop to think because you're flying by the seat of your pants? And, and once in a while you want God just to stop and show you that there's some fruit flies floating in your drink. Maybe you should like slow your roll, as we used to say back in the Chesterfield hood, slow your roll. You know, like that's what we would say, driving the 240, listening to Tupac, Mike. Isn't that what everybody did? That's what I did. Throwing some Limp biscuit. Don't let my mom hear that, except that one time, man, she got mad. I didn't realize how bad it was until I started listening to the words. No, I just didn't really care. But anyway, I paused. I paused. The power was in the pause. Otherwise, I would have missed it. And every great biblical act of God, like this one we're reading in the scripture, there's a moment or pause in preparation. And God prepares, so we must also. Before Jesus could finish the plan on the cross, he had to pause for a moment to reflect, get ready, and yet wait. Reflect, get ready, but wait. Look to your neighbor, tell him, reflect, get ready, but wait. Waiting is hard when we want to get to the finish line. But the power for the finish is often manifested through the waiting process. If you don't go to that moment of preparation or pause, you can't get to the finish line. And sometimes we just got to strip it back, all the distractions we have, and settle in at Gethsemane in our own lives to gather our thoughts, prepare our minds, and get ready to execute the next steps in our Christian journey. Your next steps won't be like the last ones. They actually could be totally different. So just because you, you got really good at step in one way, when you ask God to elevate you, to grow in your walk, your next steps will not be the same as the prior steps because that would just be boring to God and he's got a sense of humor. So he's going to do it totally unexpected. Let me just warn you. So are you eliminating preliminary and these prerequisite quiet moments with God because you perceive them as insignificant and would rather sleep it off like the apostles? They weren't praying, they were sleeping. Does anybody else fall asleep trying to pray at night like me? I wasn't praying, I was sleeping. And it's not even intentional. It's not like I say, God, I don't want to pray. It's just, it's just I, I sleep easier than I pray. So maybe that was the case for them, but they're missing something in the garden because they were sleeping while God was doing something through prayer and preparation for the Christ. Are you expecting to hear from God in your hesitations, yet perhaps this moment of hesitation, this one, God purposely placed in front of you? A pause. So you might be confident through his confirmation in the garden that the fulfillment of the promise is really near. Jesus knew already the end from the beginning, but the apostles didn't. So a lot of the things Christ did was to show them Jesus didn't need to do what he did for him. He already knows because he is God. But he did everything he did to teach somebody something. 
There is power. Look to your neighbor. Tell them there is power in the pause. So my first question to you this morning is, do you make time for the wait? Waiting is not fun. I don't like it. Just like waiting on my kids to talk at night, and especially Kaylee. I can't understand her. I just fast forward to the end. I've even, God forbid, I share this with you. Sometimes she sings, Jesus loved me too slow. And I say, can you go faster? I'm serious. I rebuke that devil in Jesus' name. Well, you know what they do, Don? They try to slow it down and stay awake longer. They'll go slower and slower. Jesus loves me. Speed it up. We already know he loves you. We get real at home. <laughs> oh, I shouldn't have shown that side. They're never coming back. Anyway. Culture has taught us to be faster, but have they taught us to be better? What are you pursuing? Speed or improvement? I'm the kind of person, I'm very results driven, no apparent results, no progress. To me, it's not valuable. I'm getting better with that, but I've got to see progress. We've got stuff going on at home and what bothers me, like we have a boat and we're getting our boat worked on. It's taken forever. What bothers me, not that the boat's not ready, is that they never tell me anything. I say, just say, yes, I got your message and we're making progress. That's what destroys me, makes me into the devil. I'm like, just send back a text and say, yes, I got you, I'm working on it. That lets me know you care. And I already know that thing ain't gonna be ready till next year anyway, so I'm okay with that because it takes time, but I gotta see results or it makes me feel like it's dead, you know? But like this month um, is September, it's, it's aerating month. Anybody aerate their lawn? It's the month we, we plant seed. Maybe you aerate, you pull the plugs out the lawn, you put the seed in, and, and guess what happens? It just sits there. You just throw it down. And it's September aerating month. Everybody should do it. You gotta germinate that thing. You water in the seed, and guess what happens? Nothing to the naked eye. November comes. Looks pretty dead still, Mike. I, feel, I still think I have that fungus, just so you know, in the grass. December comes. That didn't sound right. December comes. I threw that seed out in September. Nothing's happening, Mike. Looks dead. January comes. February comes. March comes, and I finally see a weed. I mean a piece of grass. Guess what that is? That's my seed growing. It's germinating. And just, just to preach a little more about how we need you in the gospel, guess what doesn't happen to that seed unless someone waters it? Who wants to water something today? You can have all the good one seeds in the world. You can have a, a million one seeds, and if they don't get any water, they ain't going to grow. Can I just say it like that with a Zorro snap, please? They got to have some water. Paul says one, one water, one, Apollo's waters, I, I, oh, I messed it up. One waters, one plants, God gives an increase. Excuse me for butchering that. But, but see, it's collective. There's three in there. There's a multitude of people watering to create germination. So something sprouts in the spring for your harvest. But it takes time. And it definitely takes pausing because that's where the power happens. If we put God last, which I don't know about you, sometimes I do, we'll get to it when everything else is done. Guess what? You're going to fall asleep in the garden when it's time to pray. Like a bedtime. 
because I put him last. You know, my brother once told me, he said, he says, start off in the morning on your knees. Just give him thanks. I started doing that. It's a lot easier to stay awake than at midnight or 11. And my eyes don't feel heavy. The disciple says, my eyes are heavy. But God says, you're missing it. You're missing it. Do we make time for the wait? If I never go to the garden, guess what will happen? I'll never leave the garden. That place of pausing, that place of temporary waiting, if I never get to there, I'll never get out of there to the next thing. You can't skip the garden and get to the cross. And you can't skip the garden, the cross, and get to the resurrection. And you can't skip the garden, the cross, the resurrection, and get to eternal glory and watch God's promise come to fruition. Jesus had to do all that for him to ascend the second time and witnessed over 500 and have Thomas, remember, positive Thomas, poke his hand in his side. Like all that had to happen so that that could happen. Do we make time for the wait? We like to, um, when we go like the lake or on a trip or somewhere, we like to stop at unique places along the way, but not take too much time because I'm in a hurry. We don't want to, we don't want to like make Google Maps take too long, you know, but, but like we'll stop like at, at, at this one place, Ozark Land. They got amazing peanuts. If you like crunchy, really crunchy peanuts, just the peanuts, not the shells. Ozark Land, uh, Whitley's Peanuts. But see, we like to stop. We don't want to stay there, but we like to stop there on the way to the destination. Or like maybe we'll go somewhere like uh, on the way to the, the south, the south, Ben, like um, Whataburger. Is it Whataburger? I think it's like Kentucky or somewhere in there. There's a, 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 some, somewhere along the, the, the 24 East uh, pipeline down towards Alabama, there is a way to get to a Whataburger. So we stopped there. Remember how crowded it was? And if I'm, not, if I'm not mistaken, the bathroom was disgusting, but the burgers were great. Now, we had to stop there, but we don't want to live there. I mean, how good would it be if you just stayed in the gas station on the way to Kingdom City? That's really nice, by the way, and much cleaner than it used to be. They rebuilt that thing at 54 and, and uh, 70, but like, we don't want to live there. We just want to stop and get our snacks and keep on to the destination. But everybody needs a break. If you have little kids, maybe it's a potty break. Like everybody needs a break in some capacity on the way to the destination. So there's a temporary stop for your garden, but you got to get out of that thing when the time comes. When Jesus says enough, enough, let's go. See, they would have just slept there and missed the whole next step of the mission. God doesn't want you to live in the garden Y'all know that really, really spiritual Christian friend that they just say, I'm just waiting on the things of God. They're always waiting. Do you ever break a sweat for Jesus? Like, what are you waiting on? I don't know, but I'm waiting. That's good. How long are you going to wait? No, you're living. You're living in the place of wait. You've accepted the wait. You've turned the wait into the final destination. And there's a difference. They've let the garden become their home. Jesus didn't stay in the garden, and neither did the apostles. It's a, it's, it's a power for pausing, which is a prerequisite for understanding that only can take place in that moment God gets our attention. So why is it so important that we stop here in the garden? Do you see how Jesus talked to them? Was it the same hunky-dory Jesus we always see? Like, hey, guys, what's up? Let's hug it out, bro. You want to do the hacky sack? You know, whatever. No, it was enough. 
You fell asleep. I told you not to. I got to speak real to you at this point because you're missing the mission. Like Jesus had to get real in the garden. He's like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be killed here and you can't even stay awake. Like, you know how disrespectful to the Christ that would have been for them to fall asleep? even though it's unintentional, like he's going to the cross. He's about to be captured and tortured. And they just like passed out on him three times. And he finally said, enough. It matters because God talks clearer to you in the garden. That moment of pausing. It was very clear to me. I was staring at fruit flies when I paused to pay attention. But otherwise, if I just chug along, chug, chug, chug. You know, Thomas the Train, if I just chug along through life, I'll miss it and never think anything's even broken. When maybe God is saying, get out of the garden, I need you here to listen and then go do what I said. I need you in this mission. He talks clearer. He was frank and clear. And that's what, that's what he'll do for us. Those moments of hesitation when we really come before him and call out Abba, Father. He's got our attention at that point. If you can call Abba, Father, you've, you're ready to listen to God. If you go pray three times, you're really seeking God to do something and believing for it. Am I wrong? Otherwise, you wouldn't do it, right? That's what happens in the garden. It's in these moments God can get through to us because we're not distracted. And he talks different there in that moment. We all little, little, a little need, I, I cannot talk this morning, excuse me. We all need a little clearer confirmations from God once in a while. And sometimes it's not what you want to hear, but it's what you need. It's what you need. There's power in the pause. Jesus was feeling the pressure in this moment and the hesitation under the pressure caused complete dependency on the Father. The flesh was in complete dependency in this moment upon the Spirit. Let's say it that way. Because it was so great, he was afraid he couldn't bear it. That's complete submission there's scriptures like, uh, he's a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. That means if I can get to a place of complete submission, we're saying I can't do it unless you are in it and it is your will that is 100% all in for the mission. Not 50. Jesus said, didn't say, let me come back in a couple hours. Let's do, you know, he said, he said if it not be your will right now, he knew the clock was ticking he knew his tomorrow wasn't guaranteed. And we don't know our tomorrow, but we know as long as we have faith in Christ, we'll have some kind of tomorrow that's good. But Jesus actually knew the end was coming and that the clock was ticking. So he was more urgent to get his help from Abba Father. And that's the way we're supposed to live, is complete dependency. And that's when God will talk the clearest to you. He said, my soul is overwhelmed. Can you imagine Jesus saying, my soul is overwhelmed? This is the moment. We either overcome or we abandon. We either go home or we go forward. We either expect an answer from God or we throw in the towel. Jesus knew he could not do that. So he went forward. The devil wants you to do that. He wants you to turn around. 
praise God, we've got people in here seeking God. One of, someone told me this week, in this room, the devil told me to turn around, but I walked through anyway. And when I walked through, I found the greatest fulfillment through those doors that I went through. The devil told me to go home, but I said, no, he, he, he could sense the presence of the enemy was not, was not of God. And the devil tried to steer him. And he said, if I go through those doors, I'm going to do it. And he went, he said, that was fulfilling. And now look, today comes. God is a rewarder of those who diligently push through the doors to find his glory. He kept praying. He didn't pray once. He didn't pray twice. He prayed three times. God was supplementing him through prayer to hear his outcries in the garden. So we don't want to live there. We've talked about that. We know we got to get there. But what about when it's time to leave? When the hour comes, Sometimes your friends aren't going to know when to tell you to get out of the garden. In fact, they may tell you to just keep waiting. That's why you need God to speak clearly to you. Say, the hour has come. It wasn't the apostles that told Jesus the hour has come. Jesus says, enough. The hour has come. That's what Jesus said. They're like, what do we do? What do we do? Oh, 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 soldier, soldier, smote the ear. No. That's not what I said. Let me fix that thing. Gloop. He glued, super glued that thing back on with the Holy Spirit. Like, like what I'm saying is, is Jesus had to tell them when the time came because they were not in harmony with the Spirit under one accord enough to know the difference. And Jesus declared it as their leader. When the hour comes, you have to know when it's time to get up out of the garden and say, enough, God is conditioning me to move forward and God will speak boldly to me. I declare it and that God, if you speak to me and if it be your will, I will march out of this garden into the streets for your kingdom and pursue the next steps. That was just a season. Look to your neighbor, tell him it's just a season. We can't skip a season of germination. We can't sit the, skip the season of building a bond with our, our spouse or our loved one and expect a, a committed marriage. We can't skip the season of working hard to get something off the ground and expect it to grow itself. It takes investment. We can't skip the season. You got to run the race, not helicopter to the end of the race. Because guess what? It won't have any value if you did. It's the season that gets you to the next. And when the hour comes, God says, is time. If y'all could stand this morning, there's power in the pause. If we don't pause when we need to, we will not have the strength when God says go. That's why both work together. That thing you've been waiting on is time. God says, I'm, you, don't need, you don't need it from me. I already blessed it. It's time. Let's move. Let's go. Like that thing, that thing, that relationship, yeah, it's time. Go. It's hurting you. My will is yes. I agree with you. Let's go. Don't wait no longer. It's time. You've been thinking about starting that thing. Like you've been hesitating because of statistics. Should I start that business? Should I go after that dream? Should I, should I do this? Uh, you know, you, uh, you spend a reasonable time in the garden at this point, and it's time to go after it. It's time to go, says the Lord. Go after it. Share my gospel in it and watch me bless it. Share my gospel and watch me bless everything. When the hour comes, 
God can't proceed into my situation until I pause and let him in. Otherwise, he's just standing at the door and I'm racing circles around, around the mountain like Israel. He's just saying, open the door. Let me in. Let me in. Thought that grass was dead. God says, I bring dead things to life. I bring dead things to life. And just because you can't see it, I know the end from the beginning. Just like I knew what you would do, that when you would serve me and when you would fall, I already know. And that if you trust me and you go to the cross for me, I bring dead things to life. And people aren't going to know how to handle what I do for you. That's what the Lord says. They're not going to know how to handle what God is doing for you. Trust in that church. I don't know about you. My moments of pausing are often late at night and in my sleep, especially with the church. I have battles. I have hesitation. And I share this as a witness that you may apply it to you. This is not about me. This is about how can we overcome the hesitation. And in those moments of pausing at 2 a.m., when the thoughts are whirling and Michelle's like, why are you awake? I said, God's doing something. This is when he speaks clear. And I actually send notes to my phone for things all the time at like 3 a.m. about logistics, like the weirdest stuff, Debbie. It's when my mind is clear enough to think on it and then fix it and then take it further. And, and a lot of times as I've gotten a little older, it's not just church stuff. It's like, am I a good dad? Am I a good pastor? Am I a good husband? What am I doing to improve every walk in my life? Am I a good son? Am I a good brother? Like, like it's those moments of pausing and, and it can be in your sleep. If it's gotta be in your sleep, maybe it's gotta be like Mark Wahlberg at 4 a.m. because he's so busy, you know? Like whenever it's gotta be, find that moment to pause and get clarity because that's how you stay on the track. Because when God can get your attention enough and even though sometimes it's humbling to hear it, like no, you need to do better. You need to hear it though. And I'm thankful that God will speak it and that I can catch it when he says it. That's the danger. It's not that he won't speak it to you. It's that are we receptive in hearing him say it right before our eyes because we're not pausing in the moment to hear him. So I wanna leave you with that. Find your moment. Maybe it's in the car. Maybe it's on the treadmill. Maybe it's in your sleep. Maybe it's after dinner. Maybe it's when you first get up. Find your moment to spend some time in the garden. And then when you've got some time in the garden, get up and go about it and keep moving forward because God is a rewarder of those who diligently seek. And if you believe that, I want you to lift a hand with me right now. We're gonna declare something right now that Red October is coming and God is a rewarder of those who diligently seek. And when the world is confused and, and freaking out for, because we've been faithful, we're going to say God is a rewarder of those who diligently seek. And we know that we got to go all in and we're not compromising this mission. And if it looks crazy to the world, so be it. God says the time is come, the hour is come, and we've got to get out of this place to take it forward. And so we're going to do that. And so God says, I'm going to do that to your situation. And your life and your family and your your relatives who won't treat you good and, and your job who won't give you that promotion. God's going to make an adjustment. Ask him to clarify how you should do it and to walk through the
the doors and not to turn around, but to move forward. And he will bless it. God, we know you will bless it. We declare it now, God, that we're going to look back and the people that don't understand it will just be left in revelation that you shall boost their face because of what you're doing to this church. We see it. We're going to do it. And we're going to show it in Jesus' name. And if the house of God could say, in Jesus' name.